Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. I want to remind you, as always, that this uh, podcast is not a substitute for mental health therapy. It is for education and uh, entertainment purposes. So please contact a therapist in your area to work on your unique issues. So I have another treat for you this uh, episode, as we are talking with somebody who uh, I really enjoyed their their work on a couple of TP, TTR tabletop role-playing game show, shows that came up. And let me just start with how this came about. So I was on Twitter, and one of the people I follow is Elisa Pearl, and who I will also be reaching out to shortly. Um, and she was talking about a show that she had recently been working on, and it was called Imbrujalia. And she was talking about doing a Call of Cthulhu game that was Afro-Latino centered. And as soon as I saw that, it's like, I must go and find this. And I watched all four episodes, very much enjoyed it, and then realized that, oh, there was more in this series. And this is from, if you go onto YouTube, you're looking for the Good Time Society. And the particular set of shows is called The Calyx, which if I remember correctly is spelled C-A-L-G-X-Y, close to that. Um, and so I started watching, just working my way through the catalog. Because as it is, I just can't watch anything live with my schedule and so forth. So I watch a lot of VOD. And so I got to a certain set of these, which was called, one was called Genus Locus, another was called um, America, and in both of these episodes, one particular character stood out to me. It was played by, the character's name was Millie, but it was played by the brilliant Bridget Jeffries, who I have here today as our interview. She also did another one for a charity stream called Servants of the Lake. So, Bridget Jeffries lives in Columbus, Ohio. She called, she heard the Heard of Call of Cthulhu about 10 years ago and has been madly in love with the game and horror genre ever since. Bridget prefers to play, run, and write story-driven character-focused and combat-light horror games. She has a history degree from the Florida State University, as so many of her games have a strong historical influence with a twist of mythos. Bridget's scenarios can be found on, on the Mississippi University Repository, and some of those are Sorrow in Severo, Carousel of Fear, and in issue two of BA, not familiar with what this one is, but it's called Beast of Gazadron. I'll, I'll let her <laughs> give you the better uh, pronunciation of it. I mean, here's my dyslexia coming up again. Uh, Bridget fi- found a horror gaming club, uh, Symphony Imp- Entertainment Games and Art, with which solely focuses on horror-based systems. You can check out details. Uh, uh, check out details of her events online at symphonyentertainment.com or at conventions uh, around the Northeast United States. You can check out Bridget's infectious laugh on two uh, two-time 
any, and that's E-N-N-I-E, award-winning podcast, the Miskatonic University podcast, where she serves as a co-host. If you're interested in writing for the seventh edition Call of Cthulhu community content, Bridget invites you to connect with her as a community ambassador for Chaosium Incorporated for support, compliance, and encouragement. Bridget, welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tether, which in some ways probably could easily sound like a uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu game setting. <laughs> does feel like a Call of Cthulhu scenario. I love the title. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, pleasure for you being here and thank you for taking the time to join us. And as always, our this podcast is about mental health and especially mm -hmm. for those of us that are geeks, nerds, uh, that are in this area that are of color. Right. So my first standard question is, how did you get here? Beyond what I wrote, wrote in, in your, <laughs> in your uh, bio there. Yeah. And then I'll just really fast before I hop into that, just for clarification's purposes, how should I address you? Do you want Perry? Would you like Dr. Clark? Talk to me. What's, what, how do I address you? Perry is fine. Perry works. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But my dad and my brother and my grandfather are all a line of Perry. So that works. You're right in the oh family my. already. <laughs> well, especially because that's usually a name that doesn't come up as often. As, so no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, it's grandfather, Perry, Perry, the second, and my brother is Perry, the third. <laughs> yeah. So whole family of Perry's we're right in line. We're right in line. Um, how did I get to where I am now? Mm -hmm. mm. So it was kind of interesting. I have been running uh, tabletop role-playing games for better course of maybe 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. I always wrote my own material, uh, mostly mm -hmm. because I was very insecure and not confident enough to run someone else's material. I was afraid that, you know, whatever, I won't back into all of the insecurities, but I was afraid to run other people's stuff. So I felt more comfortable running my own things, mm -hmm. my own little control issues. And uh, one of my scenarios uh, that I ran in the convention circuit uh, continued to gain in popularity. People loved it. People talked about it. And then one day, Jared Smith uh, from Bayat Al-Azif, uh, he has a magazine for... Cthulhu mythos, mm -hmm. that entire genre. So games, articles, movies, things of that nature. He reached out to me. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, I was talking to some friends and um, they said that you have this game called Beast of Jevudan, which laziness uh. ensues. Yeah, there's your pronunciation on it. A, a native French speaker is probably going to say I'm saying it wrong too, but that's the best I've got. <laughs> <laughs> um, side note, very lazy, creative scenario on that one. It's a phenomenal scenario, but uh, Perry, have you seen the movie... Uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. I watched part of it before they, I, I remember going to the theater to watch it and uh -huh. then the film broke midway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole scenario is based on Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is mm. then in turn uh, based on actual events about a lupine creature laying mm -hmm. waste to, uh, uh, I think it was 17th century France. Anyways, Jared reached out to me. He says, Hey, I would like you to um, write the scenario up for me. Mm -hmm. And my initial reaction was like, Okay, that's I'm flattered, but I'm also very overwhelmed and intimidated by that idea because I've never written up a scenario before. I've never been in mm -hmm. even a semi-professional space with this where like I actually take what's in my head and off of note cards and put it in the print. And he said to me a series of things that really launched me to where I am uh, because everything else is like a cool little montage that brings mm -hmm. me on to your recording right now. Uh, but Jared was very intentional about trying to find female voices. He was very intentional about trying to find black voices. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so that led him to me. And he says, like, listen, I understand if you're scared, I understand that you're overwhelmed, I understand that you're intimidated. And I understand that you've never done it before. I will walk you through it step by step. I promise you, I won't abandon you. I won't leave you. But we need to get more of you, more of your voices, more of your demographics out in rotation. And mm-hmm. just because you haven't done it before should not be the thing that keeps you back. I will help you. So because of Jared at Bay at al uh, I published my very first scenario. Once I got over the hurdle, it was just right on from there. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. Very nice. Very nice. So you've illustrated a number of things, aspects in that about the need for more female voices, which mm-hmm. I, I'll be frank, I think some of the best game, the best players are women uh, in, in the game space. And two, the aspect of more for us that are of color. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm also one of those that I've helped fund the kickstart uh, Harlem Unbound and Haunted West. Yes, I just, with Spivey. Yes, and I so want to play those uh, as of uh, have had a chance yet to do. Um but this that how that notion of also this genre of Cthulhu, which mm-hmm. let's also be frank, was written by a very racist man. Yep. But that's also not surprising given the time he lived in. Hashtag any, facts. Yeah. Any material written before, let's say, 1972,000 is going to be laced with a lot of racism. Yep. Which also makes it which also makes it at point hard to enjoy for those of us who recognize what's being said there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also plays not only into um, what the genre is providing, what the material is providing, but how is that also conflicting with where our mental health is when Ooh. we want to enjoy this material, and yet we're also dealing with can I deal with the aspect of this racism that's present right there interfering with my ability to enjoy this fantasy? Right. Well articulated and well said. Thank you. And so that began then. So there is another point of why we need to generate more material ourselves that is mm-hmm. better accounting for that. So what's been your experience beyond what you've written so far with this aspect of recognizing mental health for yourself? Oh, there is so much to unpack there, but I think I can narrow that scope by at least going, uh, you specify for myself. So mm-hmm. I believe inherently we all have an inner voice inside that has an idea, a belief, a moral compass, something that needs to be let out. It needs to be put into the universe. And that Mm -hmm. could be this is Bridget's personal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) perspective. And that could be manifested in a lot of ways that could be manifested in the way that you parent. It could be manifested in the way that you um, create. It can be manifested in the jobs that you choose. But there's something in each of us that we want to bring out that we want to share with the world. I just believe Mm -hmm. All of us have that thing. And one of my things, I have a few because God bless me, I'm all over the place, but <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> um, one of my things that I really enjoy when it comes to a storytelling perspective, when it comes to writing games, running games, is I love to bring emotion mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Like hopeless horror can get very exhausting and very daunting, uh, especially if you look at the last three years that we've been living in, which is a mm-hmm. hopeless horror. But <laughs> Well, I would put it more like last six, but uh, yeah. Ooh, listen, I hope you guys can hear the snapping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
one of the things I love to bring out in my games is emotion, but you have to back into like, what is emotions in games and where are the lines that you can flirt with and play with when it comes to horror? Mm -hmm. So personally for me, a lot of my games have a very strong emotional uh, pulse. Like you read it in Mm -hmm. the bio. I'm very uh, character focused, story driven, combat light. If you mm-hmm. want to go blow up a dragon, by all means, go drop a 10d6 fireball on it. But if you're playing horror, you want to be in a vulnerable position. You want to mm-hmm. have like the world coming at you with things that you can't explain, that you don't understand, but you're willfully going into it anyways. I love mm-hmm. to lather that um, in emotion. But in order to mm-hmm. do that, you have to actually think what emotions can you relay safely? Um, that can still be fun when you're doing it across an RPG space. How far can you push grief? How Mm -hmm. uh, double down can you actually do on joy before you lose the horror aspect of it? So from a mental health standpoint, I will definitely say my writing, every scenario Mm -hmm. reflects very strongly what that inner voice was saying to myself at the time that I wrote it. You you read all my scenarios side by side, you can tell that I'm in different mental spaces Mm -hmm. each time. Mm Which is one of those key aspects that normally when I'm working with clients, one of the things I will tell them to do is write it down Mm. so that it's not essentially essentially running loop in their head. It's being held by the paper, whether that is just write down the journal of the thoughts and the stream Mm -hmm. of thoughts, turn it into a prose, turn it into a poetry. It becomes a way of not having it taking up space in the head. Right. Right. You can release it. You can let it go. You can put it down for a second, revisit later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like that's part of your, in its own way, your therapeutic process of mm-hmm. doing this material. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because even when I go back and read some of my other scenarios, I'll go like, oh, I remember what I was going through when I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, you can't help it when you're a creator, like, you know, part of you bleeds into whatever you you produce. And if you're paying attention close enough, at least to yourself, you can see those threads moving through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is something that we also in therapy is like looking at what are the threads that are connecting the various events? What are the threads connecting the various decisions that have been made yeah. in a person's life from mm-hmm. childhood into adulthood? Yep. Yep. What carries over? uh, What left a lasting impression or a stain or a thread that you're just like, I didn't realize that was still on me. Let's unpack and dive into how that looks and what that means. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Very much so. So from that angle, what what do you think about the materials that are coming out now, such as we spoke about Harlem Unbound and the Haunted Mm -hmm. West, but other materials in this aspect as well? What do you see? What are you seeing there? Because there's only so much I I can stay focused on that because got so many other things like being a therapist and running a business. Right. And all that. <laughs> mm. My eyes are rolling like backwards in my head as I'm considering this. I'm gonna I'm gonna leap out with my initial impression to that question. So. Uh, horror is my happy place. That's pretty mm-hmm. much where I stay, whether it's Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu Dark, Alien, the RPG, Vason, whatever. Horror is uh, typically my happy place. That's where I, I do a lot of my work and spend a lot of my time. Perry, so I'm going to back into this one from mm-hmm. a, a weird direction. So mm-hmm. you and I discussed this very briefly. Sorry, hit the mic. Um, you and I discussed this very briefly via email, and it's been an ongoing topic that since the pandemic hit, Uh, There's been a much larger, uh, less prejudicial, open conversation about mental health, Mm -hmm. which is a blessing. 
Mm-hmm. That's an amazing thing. I love that transition. I feel like Bridges impression in the horror space with a lot more materials that we see coming out. People are feeling less afraid, um, more empowered uh, and more mm-hmm. intentional about intentional about writing things from a POV, a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a point of view, a perspective that's not their own and mm-hmm. also approaching aspects of mental health and games and what that means, even down to the language. Uh, I remember Call of Cthulhu and a few other scenario or systems had even been called. I was like, guys, we don't like that you named this mechanic insanity. Mm-hmm. We don't like that some of the side effects can be, you know, uh, bipolarism or, you know, um, just going back and forth like that. So I love that the conversation is changing. People are standing mm-hmm. up. Um, there's even a more intentional focus to have accessibility in games, Mm -hmm. which I know isn't very specific to mental health, but I also think it's right on par with mental health Mm -hmm. um, because um, when you're dealing with accessibility issues, if you can't reach the person, they can't enjoy the material. And when you take that extra step to reach the person, they feel seen, they're able to participate into the community. They become a part of the larger community and that's all mental health. So I have seen a shift, Bridget, personally, since the pandemic broke, where these conversations are happening and they're not just happening in your basement or like on your phone call with your buddy, they're happening in Discord, they're happening on Reddit, they're happening uh, on people's, on companies' Facebook pages and Twitter. It's an open conversation. I personally am very here for it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Was that a ramble? That felt like a ramble. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, preach. Just let it preach. (laughs) Because it is the, it is a truth, and I think that's also one of those things about beginning to recognize what it means for again for us not only as BIPOC but what it mm-hmm. means for us in the geek and nerd space. Because again, so much of what we look at and enjoy these materials has often been said, "Oh, it's not black. You're not black yep. enough, or or Asian enough, or yep." Drop whatever particular identity you have, and it's not enough because you're taking an interest in horror. You're taking an interest in science fiction. You're taking an interest in fantasy. Yeah. That somehow this is not a part of who we are. And yet cultures are reached this point by being part of that. By being part of that. Yeah. By being a part of those stories, the originators of those stories. No, we were Mm -hmm. here the entire Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Which then also always brings up something. I know I'm talking to clients and usually when we're talking about relationships, it's like Disney sanitized stories have not Hmm. exactly done us good. No, no, but I would love to hear you. I'm just curious if we have different perspectives on that. What's your stance? Well, my stance, well, my stance is because if we go back and look at like the original grim fairy tales and so Mm -hmm. forth, they haven't those, some of the endings with that, which I do recommend everybody goes and looks at the actual source material. Cinderella is, for example, is a lot bloodier when it comes to what happens to her stepsisters. Sleeping Beauty also, not exactly a pleasant ending story. What happens there? Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, Snow White, the Wicked Witch, actually does get some comeuppance at the when oh. we get to see at the end of the story, compared to where everything stops with, oh, they lived happily ever after. Right. And the truth of the matter is, happily ever after. Now, what happens when the roof starts to leak? Mm. Little Billy's getting bullied mm. at school. Uh, the uh, the uh, mortgage is now due. How right. do we spin happily ever after into that? Because that's one of the realities of a relationship. 
right. all of these stories are essentially that we've seen done by Disney and all of the others like that are snapshot moments. Uh-huh. Well said. Yeah. And originally, so many of our stories, when we go away from that, were also sent as lessons about living in life. Yeah. And so when we remove these uncomfortable parts, we remove the lesson and real purpose because our oldest little teaching mechanism was story. Mm. At least that's my view. No, I love it. I love it. I would love to chew on that one later. Uh, beautifully articulated, by the way. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to chew on that one and see if I agree with you later on that one. There's a lot to unpack there, but I like it. And so the stories that we're telling and playing in our games is part mm-hmm. of, again, what is the lesson, even though it's in some cases problem solving. Right. Right. Hmm. That's dope. You actually pushed my cuticles back a little bit on that one. I was unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's dope. Well articulated and well said. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I will continue to chew on that one, but I like it. Mm-hmm. So when then when we throw on the therapy standpoint of, again, what's getting processed through writing the mm-hmm. material down? Mm-hmm. How are we also getting that perspective on the lesson? Right. Yeah. What are we walking into as far as our filters or whether they're rose colored or not into, mm-hmm. yeah, into the application? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree to that one. Mm-hmm. I'd agree to that one. Now I will say one thing when it comes to role-playing games that I genuinely appreciate. So my brother, my family, mm-hmm. God bless them. They're the most supportive things ever, but they still don't know what the hell a TTRPG is. They of vaguely course. can understand it. They call it her gaming thing. And I love them <laughs> for it. They're, they're literally the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother and it might be a generational thing, has a, a little bit of a clearer explanation. If you ask him mm-hmm. what gaming is, he goes, it's like, what does he say? He says, it's like telling campfire stories with a VR headset on. So it's this really <laughs> cool experience where you can jump into someone else's shoes or another era in time or another universe or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can play out uh, the lives of uh, these other people. And he was telling one of his uh, frat brothers this one day, he made a statement. He's like, I actually think it's really cool because Bridget does all of this really interesting historical research to make sure the perspectives Mm -hmm. um, are clear and that they're not the whitewashed perspective, Mm -hmm. which is something I'm pretty proud of myself, uh, honestly. Uh, He says, so it's really neat because she can throw a lot of these uh, standard white male gamers, which is the majority of our industry, uh, these white male gamers into the seat of somebody else and say, this is what life looks like for one of us marching forward, which is something mm-hmm. I believe Chris Spivey has done beautifully with Harlem Unbound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I have both editions. <laughs> yeah. You was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. I think it's something that he did beautifully with Harlem Unbound. And if we stick with the VR perspective, uh, which God bless my brother for this one, but copying into someone else's shoes with a voice authentic that the author is like, you know, is bringing that authenticity mm-hmm. to it. I think in a way can develop empathy mm-hmm. and understanding and give you an additional perspective on voices that aren't your own while you're kind of in a contained, isolated space, which mm-hmm. empathy, which is something the world could use so much more of right now, um, is another strong undercurrent when you're talking about mental health. Because if you can walk off of one of Chris Spivey's games and go, okay, 
I understand from a mechanically game position, the disadvantages I'm at as a black female, maybe I should look for those same trends that are going on today in my friends or people around me. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. And he's a bold one so. to jump out there and do it too. Very much so. Yeah. Cause I know, um, Harlan Brown also has a essentially dealing with racial tension mechanic, yep, which is sure not does. something found in many other games, especially for, for the setting. I right. Mean, it's wonderful mm-hmm. when we can also have the game where it's like, Oh no, it's, this is completely normal. We're living a life like, like we are now, but one of those factors, as we saw, especially too, with uh, Lovecraft country when it yes. came out oh. and I admit that I haven't watched it just because there was only so much I, my capacity to take things in was uh, Lena Waits them. Gotcha. As well. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that. I need to get on that. You're the second person almost this week to say sorry, 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 sorry. Keep going. Apologies. Yeah, but again, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also, again how much uh, how much can then we can also modulate for ourselves right. in watching that and coming right off of Lovecraft Country. I just was not in a space to go into them. Yeah. And the relative standpoint that is true for many of us is when did the horrors actually end? Because mm. we're still plotting on much of that today, which adds into our mental health, which adds yep. to why do we play some of these games is to escape and have a different world where different choices could be made. Right. Yeah. The escapism is definitely a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, ah. Take that all in, folks. <sighs> Definitely a lot to unpack. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a good time um, dissecting this one later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely go. Yeah, definitely go find the original um, Brothers Grimm and look at what happens to Snow White and the uh, w- Wicked Witch or w- Wicked Queen and so <sighs> forth. Um, yeah, she puts on quite a performance number, I understand, at the end of it. Oof. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I will do. I'll put that on my, my list of, hmm, let's dive into that and see what it looks like for real. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, always, always sort of took me, especially why I was so interested in Harlem Unbound, um, was the notion that, again, when we look at most Lovecraft horror and so forth, it's usually white. It's usually mm-hmm. New England. It's usually yep. the rich and mel- wealthy. Mm-hmm. What would have a uh, Call of Cthulhu storyline have played out if we had been, as much as I hate to put it, in the antebellum South? Ooh. What would have played out if we were doing that during uh, Reconstruction? Yeah. And even then, too, it's like, so why would anyone not be surprised if certain forces align with the elder gods against mm-hmm. if it means change? Right. There's right. always this assumption that everyone wants this to stay in this certain way, but wait a minute, you're making our lives hell. They're offering something else. Uh, deal? Yeah. Yeah. That, that puts me into the mind of, have you read, uh, Oh, Bridget, is it the, the ballad of Tom? The ballad of black Tom. Yes. Have you read that? Yes, I have. So that was what just that story parallel or that that book parallels what you're saying. Like, you know what? I'm going to take this racist BS. I'm going to flip it on his head and I'm going to see what it looks like if I make the mythos work for me in my same perspective and go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a trip. It's also <laughs> Perry. Listen, I have been playing with the idea of doing an Annabelle South Lovecraft game 
for at least two years now. I kid you not. I've been playing with it so hard. Um, I've run it. I haven't run it across any formal publishers, but I've run mm-hmm. it across kind of like my um, my safety net of friends, mm-hmm. my sound boarders, other people. And uh, the majority of them are white. And I keep getting the same thing. Yes, you should absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. No, I'll <laughs> never run it. <laughs> Which... Uh... Which is it's so much to unpack in itself, but we can actually backpedal from that. And, and Chris Spivey is going through the same thing right now. He's had mm-hmm. this beautiful, succulent, award-winning Harlem Unbound with all of this research on, you know, the the, the Harlem Renaissance and these cool racial mechanics. And, and then you get um, white keepers who are just like, I'm just not comfortable running it. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'll love to read it. It's mm-hmm. great content and we're super happy to have it, but I'm just not, I'm not going to put myself in that position uh, with players that I don't know. Uh, one guy even told me, like, no, I have a couple of black people in my game. And listen, I hear what they go through on a daily basis at their job. I'm not about to run them through um, a racism mechanic in a game when they're trying to escape the bullshit that they have to do with every mm-hmm. day. So there's all these underlying conversations about the stories need to be told, should be told. Mm-hmm. But we're also, at least from a, a TTRPG standpoint, we're not producing a book or a movie that you can read, experience once and put it down or maybe experience it by yourself. Ours is collaborative. We need mm-hmm. other people to mm-hmm. engage with the material. And if you put out the material and everyone's like, this is amazing. I'm never going to run it. Okay, well, mm-hmm. it sits on a shelf. And where do you draw the lines between stories that need to be told, uh, industry reputation, and mm-hmm. um, um, market efficacy, monetization? Mm-hmm. And I'm personally exploring that line with now. Company. Yeah. Yeah, I'm exploring that line now. And uh, that takes a lot of unpacking from a mental health standpoint, because I have Mm -hmm. to understand in myself how far I'm willing to go. Mm -hmm. I have to understand my boundaries and I have to (laughs) to create more of those. My therapist and I are working on that. Um, And I also have to have a very crystal clear vision of what what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. all takes introspection and. uh, What is it? A cost risk analysis mm-hmm. of what you're willing to give or what you're willing to sacrifice uh, for this thing that you, you want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a lovely place for us to take a break. at. Woo. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So folks stay tuned for our second half here on untying knots, minds and souls and tethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Bridget Jeffries. So we'll be back with you shortly. So just hang in there. our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating untangle and grow counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark 
at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's the second half of this episode. I'm here with Bridget Jeffries, who is the Korea, who, who is the owner and operator of Symphony Entertainment Gaming and Arts here on, and we're talking on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. So we've been having a broad conversation about mm-hmm. gaming, uh, mental health, uh, being BIPOC and dealing with racism, but also how our mental health is also helped by these games. Mm-hmm. One of the things that also uh, uh, appealed to me is why I reached out was also the fact that you're running your company, Symphony of Inter- Symphony Entertainment Art Games and Art, mm-hmm. which is again one of those things that we don't usually get to hear as much uh, when we're talking about entrepreneurship. It's usually you know the wedding planner or the <laughs> food vendor or this other services but this environment too dealing with the ttrp space and the gaming space being a woman of color running a company that is Mm -hmm. focusing on this i'm curious about what that's like yeah that's uh that's interesting and i'm learning it as i go Uh, but i will say and i uh, mentioned this in the first half my family is Mm -hmm. a phenomenal resource and support. I'm super blessed to have them. So uh, just from an entrepreneur standpoint, because I think this is super cute, um, and my brother and I unpack this um, pretty often, my parents uh, were both blue-collar workers. Mom was Mm -hmm. like a manager at Mm -hmm. Walmart. Dad was a firefighter, things of that nature. But they both always had side hustles. And I know you can't see me guys, but I'm doing the air quotation things. Like mm-hmm. we either had a paper route or mom made uh video collages for the deceased to be played at funerals. And dad got Jesus, my father, he had a tree cutting company. He had a pool management company. He, all these little, mm-hmm. little side things uh, that we had. So my brother and I grew up in an environment where our parents had the standard W2 jobs, mm-hmm. but they were always feeling or filling their downtime or their excess time with um, things they were passionate about that they could monetize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And my, my parents didn't have the exposure to what a real quote unquote business is. So they were running all of these as cash operations. You know, they didn't have right. an EIN number. Uh, they weren't filing taxes on it. It was all cash operations. But my brother and I were exposed to entrepreneurship at a mm-hmm. very, very young age. It, you know, we were out there throwing papers and I was collecting photos. And both my brother and I were pulling down poison ivy and 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 trees and everything mm-hmm. else. So, you know, we, we understood the work ethic um, aspect of it. Fast forward 20, 30 years later, both my brother and I are full-time entrepreneurs. So my brother is a series seven um, financial advisor. He owns mm-hmm. his own brokerage form, um, yeah. or brokerage firm. Yeah. And um, my full-time job is I own a dog boarding business. Mm-hmm. And just from working with Perry as he worked through his early stages of how to be a formal entrepreneur, what an EI number is, how do you file mm-hmm. taxes? What do you do? What are the systems you need to have in place? How do you pay yourself? Blah, 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 blah. Um, he was able to coach me through starting up a dog boarding business from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I left corporate America. I started dog boarding because I love dogs. Um, and I have all my business ish together because of him. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. I've been doing that full time for years. And then uh, I was like, you know, I'm really passionate about gaming, really mm-hmm. love writing games. Uh, I really enjoy this space. I would like to move forward in it. I, why don't I have a business centered around gaming? Let's do that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had the mm-hmm. tools and the experience in place. So I literally just launched it again 
And that's how that came about. And that's how she's doing currently. It's just another passion project that I decided, like, I'm going to take this out of the hobby space and make it something a little bit more formal because it's something that I enjoy pursuing from a professional standpoint as well as a hobby standpoint. Because I know you mentioned earlier, too, about how it's like working the metrics, the visual perspectives and such. That's one of those other elements to this, which you also hit in here, too. Um, Because, again, we are a untapped market in some regards Mm -hmm. beyond, I mean, classic cards, dice and um, dominoes and so forth. Yep. Which, again, brings up that notion of there are other ways that we can enjoy gaming. I mean. God, just what we see with the video game industry as well. Right, right. Because I'll be frank, Madden and all the NBA games is like, don't even bother putting those on my system. The only reason <laughs> I have them on any system is because it's something I have to do work, work with clients. Yeah. I will put on more things like, um, actually, I'm presently playing um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Second, uh, the second game, which is a role-playing adventure game there, or I'm slowly working my way through Mass Effects, the trilogies as well as such. So yeah. those are the things that interest me more, which is still, in its own way, playing a role-playing game. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Hands down, hands down. Um, mm, I had a thought and it fluttered away. Keep going, sorry. I had a real <laughs> thought and that thought went, nope. <laughs> And took off down the street. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. I know. I heard plenty of those too. Um, but it, with that too, is also the standpoint too of like, what are the other, uh, that enjoyment of where can I find more of the games that are focusing much more on our history yeah. and are having our aspects of it, such as dealing with where can we have not only more of a sword and soul uh, mm-hmm. a fantasy setting, which is what I ended up having to do when I was with the, the personal game I was playing when I rebuilt Chult from Dungeons and Dragons to be that for us. Huh. Put it to you this way. Have you ever heard of the alchemy jar? I have. Now, don't quote me on it, but I have mm-hmm. heard of it. Yes. Right. And so one of the classic things about the alchemy jar and the fact that it makes all these various um, chemicals and so forth, their oddest item they put on there is mayo. So There's mayo in the alchemy jar. That's one of the yeah, charted one of, things. One of the seven mayo. things it makes is, is mayo. And so when I put it in my child game, it's like, oh no, we're getting rid of the mayo. We're <gasps> putting hot sauce in there. Yes! <laughs> this alchemy jar makes hot sauce. Makes hot sauce. <laughs> but that was just my little twist. It's like, no, this needs, this does not, that does not work in this environment. Right, 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 right. But those little subtle changes make a big difference. This alchemy jar can spit out some hot sauce. And like, you know, mm-hmm. you can put that shit on everything. Yeah. <laughs> Capsaicin. It's a chemical. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So looking at those sources where you can find games that are being designed for that and promoted, which yeah. I think there is a very much an underground uh, environment for that. Um, I know when I was speaking with the, the podcast that is coming out, because I'll be frank, we're recording this at the end of February, even though uh-huh. it's going to play in July. Uh, but right now, the podcast, one that I just recorded that's going to be coming out tomorrow, which is the 28th, is on Afrofuturism and <gasps> health. Ooh. And so in our conversation with Dr. Lanny Brooks there, we were talking about all the games and the such. And I know I talked about Olerun. There's obviously Harlem Unbound and mm-hmm. now Haunted West. Um, there's Olerun. 
uh, as well as I know there's one for, uh, called Bastion, which is from, uh, I guess, the Godsend or, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name right now. And I know they've actually got a Kickstarter running called Godsend at the moment. I'm um, going to hop on and see if I can find you. Um, but it's uh, these materials that are centering stories that are not in uh, Western world base. And I know another one I got is like uh, Nahalo is a one. And then there's Dragons uh, Conquer America as well. So I don't know I'm giving for a free shout out to all these game designers and such. Yeah, you but- are. And listen, God bless you for it. I'm looking at the uh, Bastion Afrocentric sword and sorcery fantasy right now. Mm hmm. So that's another one was like, want to play, even if we don't use the actual system, I want to use the material. Right, right, right. And since we're throwing them out there, um, I know I just got an email from Coyote and Crow. Oh, yes. They're getting ready to. Yeah, (laughs) I'm waiting for that book to arrive. Yeah. Stunning. Can we talk about the aesthetics on Coyote and Crow? Mm -hmm. My God. Mm -hmm. I've scrolled through the PDF and yeah, I'm just I'm just here for it. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm here Mm -hmm. for it. Um, primary example when you're looking at uh, the Chris Fivees, uh mm-hmm. and that amazing indigenous crew that's putting out a uh, Coyote and Crow that goes back to what I was saying in the uh, first half of life. Mm-hmm. What what are you what are you willing to sacrifice to bring forward that story or to bring sto- uh, forward that universe? Because it has not been easy for mm-hmm. any of these these companies that you put off because you are going to have those people and you know exactly mm-hmm. who they are that are going to fight tooth and nail. Oh my goodness, here we go again. The snowflakes are doing this. I think it's racist for you to say that you know that 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 the, the world is indigenous now or you why are you it's just they go through these producers, these companies, these writers go through mm-hmm. so much grief and I cannot imagine just the pure strength and the pure intentionality it takes to go I don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still going to do it. Watch me do me. Die mm-hmm. mad about it. Which actually leads in, this is a different area, but so along the same lines, because uh, I was reading something by um, Orion D recently talking about, I, I follow him on um, Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the aspect of how like TTVRP, which is what we, the shows, which is where we, where I saw you at, have also become a marketing tool. Uh-huh. these materials and so what does it also take for these smaller producers to be able to get out there and deal with getting their slice of the pie when obviously things like dungeons and dragons and such has some of the larger chunk of it which is why i was very much working my way through all the uh calyx stuff <laughs> right. or call of cthulhu and i've had played a couple of call of cthulhu games and my character did survive to the end of it and i did have most of my sanity Hey, not anomaly, but hey, we're here for it. <laughs> yeah, I wait till I, I, we'll see if I, when the third time we get to play one of these games, I manage to survive. But you hop yeah. on one of my tables, you know, I'm going to be in tips like now I have to kill him, <laughs> he's gotten too comfortable. <laughs> we'll see how my survival instincts kick in there. <laughs> the keeper is gunning for me off of something that I said on a podcast. No. <laughs> But precisely that standpoint of getting more of these shows, more of these systems that we've talked about on shows like this, I'm just always curious in that aspect. How did you find yourself on the Calyx? Oh, oh so the Calyx is um, run, Becca organized Scott's. by Becca Scott. Yeah, mm-hmm. a good time society. And Becca Scott walks on water. She's absolutely brilliant. So how did I? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so... 
late no mid what year is it right now jesus 2022 so somewhere in 2021 yeah Yeah, i know Uh everything from late 2019 i feel like it's just a blur yeah that's dealing with trauma the experiences it affects the memory oh my gosh lord jesus yeah um somewhere second or third quarter of 2021 Mm -hmm. uh, i joined the miskatonic university podcast Mm-hmm. which is a, a a talk podcast that literally mm-hmm. focuses on nothing but weird and horrific role-playing games. So 90% <laughs> of the games that we've mentioned here would be things that we discuss on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was also picked up by Chaosium to be their community ambassador, basically a community mm-hmm. liaison between uh, you, the listener who wants to start publishing for a seventh edition Call of Cthulhu uh, and us, the publisher that's like, yes, you can do it. And here's how. So the podcast, Mississippi University podcast brought on Becca Scott as a mm-hmm. guest mm-hmm. Uh, because we were trying to reach female voices, diverse voices. And, you know, she's a heavy hitter in the industry. Like, she's mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. So we brought her onto the show. I fell absolutely in love with her on the show. And she made a passing statement to me. Oh, I love your energy. You should contact me and come onto the Calyx. Hard pause. At the point that we interviewed her, honest mm-hmm. to God, I didn't know who Becca was prior to me getting onto the radio with her. I really didn't. I wasn't mm-hmm. familiar with mm-hmm. her. I had never watched the Calyx. I just, I just, woo, I was brand new. So I thought she was just being nice. I mm-hmm. honestly got that. I thought she was just being sweet and being nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of weeks later, one of the other co-hosts, uh, Murph, reached out to me. He said, hey, did you ever email Becca? I was like, email Becca about what? He's like, about joining the Calyx. I said, oh, she was just being nice. He's like, no, I don't think she was being nice. I think you need to reach out to her. I was like, well, you know, I'm not, I've never done streaming before. Here goes me and my insecurities. I've never done it before. So that means I can't do it. God bless me. Um, I've never done it before. He's like, yeah. I'm sure she can help you out and I can help you out with any more of the tech uh, to get mm-hmm. you there, but you need to email her and reach out to her. So I emailed her on some super insecure. Hey, it's Bridget. Um, I, you were on the show and you made a passing state. So if you want it, I could, I'm interested. We were filming three weeks later. It's literally how I broke into streaming um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I overlapped with Becca uh, and then a friend had me pretty much uh, make force me to power through my insecurities to reach out to her. After mm-hmm. I was seen on the Calyx, um, her viewership is absolutely ridiculous. The number she's pulls is fantastic. That's when I started getting pulled in other directions by Chaosium, Untold mm-hmm. Stories projects, um, Library just, of Wars, things of that nature. Yeah, I also just watched this last week your first episode of the RuneQuest story too. Yes, and I love I love the way you played that character quite nicely. <laughs> It's like, oh, yes, I'm paying attention to everything that's going on here. But it's like, oh, I also know how to have a good party. It's like, uh, whisper in your ear about this. Whisper in your ear about that. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. As a total aside, it's super funny. So I'm in uh, two campaigns right now that are streamed. There Mm -hmm. is uh, the RuneQuest one where I'm flirting Mm -hmm. with Bronze Age Horror. And that character is a pre-gen is Mm -hmm. super salacious is here for a good time uh really she just wants to she wants to have sex and party it's really what she wants Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. written into Mm -hmm. the sheet another campaign that i'm on right now is cuppy cups ain't slayed nobody season two uh that's a actual play podcast and i am playing an afro asian brothel worker in that game so <laughs> i'm playing more or less a sex worker in two different games which is mm-hmm. absolutely hysterical because i identify as asexual so <laughs> from a mental health standpoint that is also super exciting because i know how i feel mm-hmm. but making myself stretch to jump into two characters that are extremely 
have extremely high libidos and are just like, let's mm-hmm. get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Absolutely mm-hmm. hysterical and it's such a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, own it, own it, own it. Own it, own it, own it, and love it. So thank you exactly. for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's a lovely place for us to segue into my classic questions, the myths and realities of mental health. Although okay. in this case, we can re- rephrase that as the mythos of mental health. Oh, the mythos of mental health. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You need to get a banner with that one, mate. Like a logo well, and a banner. You could rock with that one. So what would you say is one of the mythos of uh, mental health? And let's talk about the realities around it. Yeah. Um, big one. Mm-hmm. Probably my biggest one that it comes to mind right now. And thank God this conversation is changing. Uh, people of color, black mm-hmm. people, you can go get you can go get help. You can go get mental health. You deserve that. Um, you can be further supported. You can be further loved and you can have a place that is literally about you. For that hour, that half an hour, whatever you need. I understand that our society does not like black people going to uh, counseling. That has been a superstition and a prejudicial view that I've battled with my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, black men, it is OK for you to go to a therapist. There is nothing about that that is affecting your masculinity. There is nothing about that that's saying you don't have it together. Black people go through so much every single day. We wake up under pressure and we go to sleep with pressure, too, with expectations from society, from within our own culture, from outside of the culture, from our media, from politics to absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Do not gatekeep yourself out of feeling better. That is something that you can do as a reward to yourself and a way to love yourself. Black people go. Therapy is okay. It is safe. You're not weird for going to therapy. Go do that. That's my biggest mythos. (laughs) (laughs) just like it's okay for us to play these games as well it is totally okay for you to play those games and don't let people in your own community tell you that it's not yeah i know i said said this in one of my other upcoming podcasts which is coming out next month uh with dr elizabeth sanchez um i had been at a convention prior to covid uh and i had this gentleman walk up to me as i was doing something else and asked me the question was why didn't he see more black people at this game convention and it turns out the other guy was also a therapist as well. So it's like, okay, oh, wow, that's a, shut the front door. Love yeah, it. it's just like uh, <laughs> that. And I said, there were three reasons that I could identify. Okay. First and foremost was economic, to be able yep. to be in a position where you could take the entire weekend to come just veg out at a, a gaming convention is not something that we get because it's a choice of pay the bills or not. And yep. Comfortably at that point, I was Accurate. able to do that. Uh, secondly was having racist experiences at the table. Yeah. All it takes is one experience and we're not coming back. Right. 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 Because we deal with that on a daily basis. We're going to deal with that shit when we're trying to do something that we enjoy. Exactly. And when we want to try and escape from that. Yeah. Which is like I said earlier, it's like dealing with reading anything for prior to 1970. That's a fantasy based game is going to, or fantasy based material or sci-fi based material is going to also be littered with a lot of racism. Yep. For sure. So there's detriment number two. And then detriment number three is we've touched on, even with our mythos, is the aspect of what is that social communal view of our interest in this when it, for quote unquote, deviates from what is supposed to be the established monolith of what we're supposed to be interested in. Right. Right. No, all three of those are extremely valid. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Actually, I'm going to say it and you can choose whether to edit Mm -hmm. or skip it. And I might uh, make a suggestion after that, too. 
So it's interesting you're talking about gaming conventions and um, people of color there. So I was lucky enough, honored enough, flattered enough. It's actually really cool. Uh, one of my first gaming groups that I had here in mm-hmm. Columbus was all black. Perry, mm-hmm. whole table, black, blackity, black, black, black. Wonderful. Five of us all playing Pathfinder uh, in uh, a friend's basement. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say maybe 80 percent of that group, that all black group loves going to uh, a major gaming convention that takes place here in Mm -hmm. Columbus Origins. It's like Mm 20,000 people. Uh, Whenever I see those players at Origins, it's always like, hey, what's up? I run, I hug them, I love them. You know, we get lunch Mm -hmm. and we hang out. But one thing they're very intentional about doing is hiding their badges. They take Mm -hmm. their badges and they hide them down their shirt. Uh, They will not wear any gaming shirts. So you're not going to catch them with any type of paraphernalia that indicates them or uh, identifies them as a gainer. They hide their badges. And after a couple of years of this, I finally asked one of them, I said, hey, why are you hiding your badge like this? Like, why? Why? He's Mm -hmm. like, well, the majority of the custodial workers at this massive convention center are people of color. He Mm -hmm. says, and I'm just really tired of running into one of them in the bathroom or getting the weird looks on the staircases Mm. or catching the slide, the slide comments that they make under their breath when they walk past me. He said, I'm just tired of dealing with it. So it's easier for me to look neutral where Mm. I could just be passing by or it could be this versus being an active participant in the experience. And Perry, I think that's really interesting from an opposing thought because I was, am, the exact opposite. I was the mm-hmm. one that's like wearing the D20 earrings and the D4 choker and the the, yeah, the, the company shirts. And I was trying to draw as much attention to myself as possible. Sorry. there. We had a little hiccup in the uh, connection oh, no. there. You were talking about, I think, D20 earrings. Okay. So I was the exact opposite. I was wearing mm-hmm. the D20 earrings and the D4 choker and mm-hmm. the, you know, the gaming shirts. I was trying to draw as much attention to myself as possible to convince all the white people in the convention. I do belong here mm-hmm. because I was tired of sitting at tables ready to play a game. And, you know, some dude goes, hi, okay. Have you ever played this game before? No, no, no. I've never actually played this one before. Okay. Well, this is a D six. This is a D 10. No, I don't. I know what the dice are, babe. Mm-hmm. I, stop. Stop. I didn't ask for, I just, I don't know this particular setting or so it's just so interesting that both as people of color, one is trying to hide from the other black people at the convention center to save judgment. And I'm doing everything I can to throw myself out there to convince the mm-hmm. white people. Hey, I, I know what a D20 is. See, I have them in earrings. I know how mm-hmm. to game. If you can, you stop. Can you... <sighs> Interesting experiences. Uh, no, we're definitely keeping this in because this is part of that struggle with also mental health between what are our interests in our Who's accepting it? Who's not accepting it? How do we sit and balance that when it is something that is helping keep us sane in this world? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I was weary about that one on the front end, but thank you. Good. I'm glad. And balancing, again, the notion of how do we appear to white? How do we appear within our own community? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we were chasing two very different outcomes. He was worried mm-hmm. about the, the the custodial workers judging him, making snide comments. And mm-hmm. I was tired of being Molly Calder when I sat on the table. I was like, okay, welcome to a role playing game. Like, dude. I- <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Got to go and going and coming. And that can be exhausting. And that can push people away from the things that they enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not good for your mental health. No. No, no, it's not. Especially with something that can be such a major asset 
to your mm-hmm. mental health because gaming can honestly be such a comfort and such a distraction mm-hmm. and even such a way to explore parts of you that you aren't um, comfortable exploring elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, I think that's a beautiful place for us to wrap at. So where can folks find you if they want to learn more and work with more and make a connection to some more gaming groups that are focusing on people of color? Yeah, so uh, easiest way to reach out to me is going to be through the website at symphonyentertainment.com. If you're nosy and want to see just where you can find me on podcasts or actual plays, uh, if you hit press release, you'll be able to see all that fun stuff. Uh, You'll be able to see all the products that Mm -hmm. I have uh, published and ready for purchase. Even some upcoming projects will be on there as well. Um, Don't holler at me on Twitter. I don't know how Twitter works. Somebody (laughs) made me create an account, but if you hit me up on Twitter, uh, you will stay on unread uh, for all times. If Mm -hmm. you... (laughs) are interested in writing for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu, I'm not really quite sure what you can do, what you can't do, mm-hmm. how to go forward, please feel free to email me. Um, my email address is Bridget at mm-hmm. chaosium.com. That's Bridget, bridge that you walk across with two T's at chaosium.com. And then last but not least, if you would like to hear me uh, ramble and giggle about weird and horrific role-playing games, you can check me <laughs> out as a co-host on the Miskatonic University podcast. You can check that out at mu-podcast.com. All right. We'll have some of that in the show notes. So I want to thank you very much for being on here and have a great conversation. I hope my listeners also enjoy it and uh, tune in more. We're going to have a few more and I'm going to work on seeing if I can get my hands on uh, Lisa Pearl to come on as be a a guest here too, because I'd love to have the conversation about the Afro-Latina experience she had doing in Bruja on Calix. And this is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist uh, here with Bridget Jeffries. So be safe, be fun. Definitely look at trying to roll a D6. And yes. uh, we'll be, we'll catch you on the flip side. And remember, if you look into the undead uh, and the dreams of it, you may go insane. Oh. And there's only so much skill I've gotten dealing with a Call of Cthulhu monster. But I'll try. <laughs> later folks bye guys thank you for tuning in for untying knots minds and souls untethered be sure to join your host perry clark for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the voice america empowerment channel 